So I'm going to open up the Bible in a minute to Acts chapter 5, but before that, Peter's going to come and share uh, a testimony. We're always keen to hear what God's been doing in people's lives, whether that's up recently or, or historically. And Peter's going to share something that he believes fits in with exactly where we are in terms of the miraculous and signs and wonders right now. So thank you, Peter. Good morning, all. Um, we're talking this month about the miracles in the Acts of the Apostles, and they're big miracles. Um, mass um, conversions, raising from the dead, angels rescuing Peter from a, um, a prison and that. But I want to talk to you about what I call the minor miracles, um, the personal ones that won't go down in history, but to the people, the individuals, they're very big. I want to tell you about something that happened to me. Um, in the mid-1980s, I was in Zambia working on mission work of, of sorts. Um, and I had, because of a, a, a work permit, I had to leave the country for a week. Um, so uh, my transport at that time was my bicycle. And, uh, and because I was told that in Lusaka, um, I thought, right, I'll do that. Um, and I'll go into Zimbab Zimbabwe. Um, and to go to the border, the nearest border, post was 100 miles. So that was a good ride. Um, and I set off early and it should have been just fine. But I got a little way and the tyres went down. And, uh, and, and then it went down again. And I, every time, it wasn't a new puncture, my, the patches, or old punctures, were lifting. And I couldn't understand why. I discovered later that the solution, the, the glue stuff um, on there, um, was faulty. <laughs> and uh, it needed to have be mixed with, with um, paraffin in order to work. But I didn't know that at the time. Crazy. <laughs> so I was going on and it kept on happening. And so I was running out of time. I had to be at the border by six o'clock because then it got dark and they closed it down. And I'd be stuck there on the wrong side of the border for, uh, for a night. So I was beginning to get worried and it, because it kept on happening and time was going by. So I'd just done a re-stick um, on my bike and uh, <laughs> come on, welcome. <laughs> and I'd just done a re-stick and I, I saw a, a a van uh, coming, not a van, one of the five seats and a, a, a thing on the back, you know, a, an open thing on the back. Um, so I waved it down and the, I said to the chap, are you going to, um, to Kariba Dam, which is where the crossing was? And he said, no, I'm not going down that road. I'm going straight on the main road towards uh, Zimbabwe to the, to the capital. Um, he said, but um, I, I could drop you off at the turning or I could take you on now into um, Zimbabwe and then you'll be on the right side of the border and there's a turning onto Kariba and you could go that way. Um, so um, 
I said, oh, okay, I don't know how hilly the bit from the turning to Kariba is. Might be best if I go on. Actually, that was a bad decision. But <laughs> I didn't know I was doing what I thought was the best thing to do. So we got on and uh, eventually we got up onto the plateau and, uh, and there was the turning and he dropped me off there. <clears throat> and I'd just ridden uh, about the first mile and there was a big notice and it said, danger, wild animals, do not get out of your car. I wasn't in a car. <laughs> so... <laughs> Another mile, the tire went down again. <laughs> so there was I, sticking the, the patch on again and looking around to make sure there were no lions or elephants coming up on me. Uh, and then I went on. And, uh, and it turned out not to be a flat plateau, but one that was up and down, up and down, so I was slowed down even more. And eventually came down a really fast, um, coming down off the plateau at the other end. And, uh, and I got down, went past the crocodile farm, and, uh, and then it got dark, because it, there's no twilight in the tropics, it gets dark very quickly. <laughs> so that was fine, and I was on the flat, down um, after the drop, and, uh, and then a tire went down. And my only light was the... Um, the dynamo on the back wheel. But when I stopped, no light, and I didn't have another light. <laughs> so there was I, absolutely in the dark. It was pitch black, no moon, really pitch black. And I was about five miles short of Kariba. Uh, and I had to get to Kariba and then up a very, very steep hill. But I knew that, I'd been told that. But uh, that's all I knew. Um, and I was absolutely... <laughs> I didn't know what to do because, I, okay, I could push the bike for five miles. Um, that was going to take a long time and there still could be wild animals around down there. So it could be dangerous. And I'd just ridden 45 miles and I don't think one single car had passed me either way. So <laughs> I wasn't expecting anything to come by. And I was really standing there, what on earth? There must be a way, there must be a way of getting out of this. Uh, and then I saw lights coming. I mean, I did nothing, nothing. And, and then I thought, this is big because the lights were high up off the ground. And um, so I waited, this is big. And it, it turned out to be a huge army lorry with six feet high wheels <laughs> and I waved it down. I didn't expect it to stop, but it did. <laughs> and an officer came out and asked me what the problem was and I explained what was happening. He said, oh, we'll take you there. <laughs> I, just, I, I couldn't believe this was happening to me. <laughs> and uh, um, and they, they, did, they put the bike up inside at the back and there was a platoon of soldiers in the back and, uh, and I climbed up and they took me to Kariba and all the way up this hill and they dropped me right at the door of the hotel I was going to. By the way, the hotel didn't know I was coming and they'd got no money when I got there. <laughs> but to me, that was a fantastic miracle. And I just 
want to say to, to all of you, look for the minor miracles, the personal miracles. If you're in trouble and you know that things that you don't know which way to go, look for the miracle because the Father will send it. He really does send, that was, I, I had lots of miracles, but that was, <laughs> that was just incredible. I always laugh when I remember it because it's just incredible. So, you know, just remember the minor miracles. Just, you can say to the Lord, you can say, look, you sent a platoon of soldiers with good hearts to rescue that mad cyclist. So, <laughs> what are you going to send me? <laughs> God bless you all. Thank you, Peter, for that. We're going to turn to uh, Acts chapter 5. There are some Bibles over on the side there if you want to follow in the Bible. And in our series, Signs and Wonders, Miracles in the Book of Acts, I'm calling today's sermon, Spiritual Beings in a Physical World. I think it's the next slide. (laughs) There we go. Spiritual beings in a physical world. What do I mean by that? Well, this. We actually aren't physical beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience. Our eternal state is that we are spiritual beings. Our temporary physical existence on this life, in this life is only a part, a small part of the potential we have for eternity with God. And, but we're living in a world where people are fascinated by spiritual experience. If you go and look at what's on the television, for example, over a week, there are so many programs about the supernatural, about the undead, about zombies, about superheroes. People are fascinated with this, this spiritual idea. And the good news is that that spirituality is back on the agenda. The bad news is any old spirituality will do. And that's the challenge that we face. But I think it's no coincidence that we're talking about this at a time when the nation of Israel has just been attacked. And we can talk about that in physical, political terms, but actually it's much more more wise to see it in terms of spiritual situation of the world that we live in. And with the people who are out there looking for a supernatural encounter, looking for the spiritual dimension of life, one of the sad realities is that so often they think the church will not answer those questions for them. And part of, I think, our our season in this studies is that we're reminded that through Jesus we have the answer to life's biggest questions. And if people want to have an encounter with something bigger themselves, if they want to touch that, that, that hole deep inside that needs filling, then it's not going to be a superhero that does that. It's not going to be a zombie that does that. It's not going to be an exciting TV program that does that. It's not going to be crystals or, or anything like that new age. It's going to be Jesus. And so we've got to change the dynamic that we live in so that people can realize if they want to find that real encounter that's going to make sense of who they are and of the life they live, it's in Jesus. 
And Acts chapter 5, if you've been following our devotions this week, you'll have read it already. It's, in some ways, it's a pretty freaky chapter because there's lots of spiritual, supernatural stuff going on. And the first thing I want to say about this chapter is we're going to talk about the power of a shadow. And just for overkill, we've got three things starting with the letter P here. So we've got another threesome for you. This is fantastic. The power of a shadow. If you have your Bible there, open it with me. If not, it's on the screen. Acts chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse 12 to 16. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Amen. See, when the believers in the book of Acts, early on in the book of Acts, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit lives in them. They began to speak in, in tongues. They began to demonstrate, as we've read here, signs and wonders. And this doorway to God's supernatural power was opened to them. And when you and I allow the Holy Spirit to have reign in our life, we discover he speaks, he acts, he unleashes phenomenal amounts of supernatural power of God that can transform things that human reasoning, human effort, human talent can never touch. And so when we're talking about signs and wonders, we're not just talking about answered prayer, which should be the norm anyway. We're talking about significant moves of God that we can't make sense of any other way than by saying it's, it's from God. And you might say, well, Peter's thing, surely that was just a coincidence. I don't believe so. There's no rhyme or reason why a man lost in pitch darkness in a, in a cycle should be able to see those lights and be rescued by, by, by the army. And you might have a story like that as well. I hope you've got a story that, that's, that's, that's recent like that as well. And as we go along, we need to hear each other's stories. But here we hear about many miraculous signs and wonders. And the language here isn't always helpful. The apostles performed. It's like they were doing magic tricks. That's not what it means. It means that through them, God's power was displayed in such a powerful and miraculous way that it pointed not to how great the apostles were, but to how magnificent the power of God is. And it seems to seem in contradiction that it says 
All the believers used to meet together. No one else dared join them. More and more men and women believed. Well, how, how, does that, how does that all work? Well, the believers are there, the Christians meeting in the colonnade, in Solomon's colonnade. And it was the unbelieving Jews who were reluctant to associate. And one of the strange things about signs and wonders is they divide people. Some people see a sign of wonder and immediately realize it's from God and their lives are never the same. And others who are hard-hearted, who've got eyes that don't see spiritually, will look at things cynically, will try to explain it away. It's only a coincidence, that didn't really happen. You're faking it. And here there are some people whose hearts are so hard, the unbelieving Jews, that they see these miraculous signs and wonders, yet they choose to turn in the other direction and ignore the evidence of their own eyes. And then there's the responsive Jews, the people. And it's from that group who see and are hungry for the things of God, who respond because they've seen God's signs and wonders at work. The power of miracles attracts, but also the awesome power of the Holy Spirit judges and demands commitment and responsibility from us. Last week, when I was uh, only here for a short time and then I drove off and, and flew off to, to Israel for a few days. Pastor Ben was talking about that miracle from Acts chapter 3, Peter and John healing the lame man. Remember that story from last week? You've read it again, hopefully, in, in this week. Well, from that time onwards, the word spread about Peter and Peter becomes famous just as people were bringing the sick and the lame to the feet of Jesus to be healed, they begin to do the same things in Peter's life. And the Bible tells us here that even they were coming just to get close to Peter's shadow. There's some shadows here, past the bend shadow, he's just going across here. So it's as if they're saying, we don't even have to know that Peter's there. He doesn't even have to touch us. We don't even have to reach out and touch him. If we're just close enough to his shadow, the shadow of Ben would heal me. That sounds a bit freaky, doesn't it? Well, actually, what, where's the healing going on in there? Is it Peter that's doing the healing? Is it Peter's shadow even less likely that's doing the healing? Who's doing the healing in that situation? Yeah, God, it's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not a trick question, it's an obvious question, but, but we just need to make sure that we realise that. And sometime God, sometimes God manifests himself in ways that seem strange to us and we don't understand that. But that's what's going on here. It's just like what happened in the life of Jesus. Do you remember that story from the life of Jesus where the woman who has an issue of blood and she's pushing through the crowd and she thinks, if I can just touch the hem of his garment... Don't even need to, he doesn't even need to know I'm here. I don't even need to have a touch from him. But if I can just touch his clothes, that would be enough. And she does that and Jesus says, who touched me? And he immediately realises that power's gone from him. So this is the power of God at work, even through somebody's shadow. It's really in the faith that the people who come to that shadow, they're so convinced that if they can get that close to the presence of God, he will do a work in their life. And that work would be a work of healing. 
And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes a big list of spiritual gifts. And in them, he talks about healings. Every other spiritual gift is a singular. But when he talks about healing, he adds an S to it, healings. There's different ways that God will heal. Different vehicles that he will use, different methods. It's the same God who heals, he does it in different ways. All of them designed to produce a touch from God and a healing. And, and we're praying for healing in this church. We've done that this morning. We pray that, continue to pray for John, that he will be healed from cancer. We continue to pray for others who need that long-term healing from God. And we'll create some time at the end to continue to pray for people. But I want to point out what's happening here. We've said all the way along that when we're looking for a move of God for signs and wonders, it's linked with evangelism, outreach, sharing our faith, increasing the number of people. Look at verse 14. More and more men and women believed and were added to their number. Wouldn't that be a great report for New Life Church? Cool. What's going on in New Life Church in Barry at the moment? Well, actually, more and more people are believing and being added to our number. Not so we can say, hey, aren't we a great church? Aren't I a great pastor? But so we can say, isn't he a great God? That he's still moving. And that new life, that healing that he gave 2,000 years ago, he's still doing that in Barry today. But look at verse 16. Crowds gathered around, also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits. Okay, let's just take that word a little minute and spend some time on evil spirits. What the heck is going on there? What does that mean? Well, it's common to hear about evil spirits in the Bible. Belief that they populated the lower, denser regions. That the, the Jews believed that there was three sort of levels of, of, of what they called the heavens and that the lowest one was, the densest one, was populated by evil spirits. And that they caused most of the illness, disaster, suffering, belief that people came into contact by them, from them by magic, paganism, witchcraft, the occult. And that's still the same today. You know, the Vale of Glamorgan is one of the worst places in the UK for occult and for new age. And for paganism, Mr. Barry's got centres around here. And so we're living in the very presence of some of that stuff. We might not be aware of it, we might not recognise it, we might not understand it. But that's still the case. Just as there are, just as there is the Holy Spirit and the power of good in this life, there is also the power of evil. And we don't go hunting for evil spirits, we don't believe evil spirits that are manifested by the devil are stronger than the God that we know and love. But we are aware that they are, can be around and they can be damaged and they can be damaging to us. Can Christians be possessed by evil spirits? I don't believe we can if the Holy Spirit lives in us. But can we be influenced, attacked, pressurized by evil spirits? Absolutely, we can. I can remember being in City Church in Cardiff a few years ago and they had a very prolific homeless outreach reaching out to men and women on the street, many of them 
with an a background of addiction, of alcoholism, of abuse. And they asked me, that the leader of it on one Sunday after the end of the service, grabbed me and said, Nigel, will you pray for this man that he's come into our homeless outreach? We believe he's, he's got an evil spirit in him. Will you pray for him? I said, yes, okay. And he shared a little bit of his story. And he had been abused by a satanic cult as a young man, physically, sexually abused on a gravestone. That was the... That was the depth of the depravity that was going on in his life. And as I went to lay my hands and prayed, pray for him, his whole, his whole demeanor, his face changed. He looked like a wild animal. And it's like he was going to eat me, grab me. And they held him back. And I laid hands on him and prayed for him. And he slumped. And at the moment that he slumped, I was vaguely aware that something had moved and there was probably say 200 people in the, around the building still talking and having coffee and whatever. Half a dozen Africans who were seeing things in the spiritual immediately ran, ran over and started praying with me. And they had seen fully what I'd just seen a glimpse of and that nobody else had seen, this horrible manifest evil spirit come out of this man and fly out of the building. And those of you that come from different cultures and backgrounds, you will know that sometimes you are more attuned to the spiritual than we are in the West. And these Africans had come to my rescue, as it were, that they'd seen this evil spirit and they started praying with me, with, with this man. So when we read evil spirits in the Bible, let's not just think that this is mumbo jumbo from 2000 years ago that they are still very much alive and kicking in the world today. But you and I know a God who is stronger than anything that the devil can ever throw against us. Let me say again, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have got the power in you to overcome the power of darkness in any spirit that the devil might want to throw against you. And in this situation here, people are realizing that the only way that their loved one, their friends, their family member who is possessed by an evil spirit can be cleansed and delivered and be made free is the power of God. And they see the power of God in Peter. And so they bring that person to, to Peter. There is a spiritual battle going on. And actually, that sometimes we need to see outside of the physical to the spiritual and recognize what's going on. Some of you in this church are better at doing that than me. I think of Nuri, who has this sensitivity to tune into the things, the spiritual dimension of life, much more easily than I, than I do. There'll be others of you the same. And you know this, it's very real. We don't go seeking evil spirits, but we shouldn't be afraid of standing up against them when we recognize there's a spiritual battle going on. And we should have complete faith that we can banish them from a person's life and claim the freedom and the cleansing and the protection that can only come from Jesus. And as a result of these spectacular healings and deliverances, we see the early church grow. 
And those of you who know anything about the history of our church movement, the Elim Pentecostal movement, know that in 1915, when this church was, was when our movement was started, it was started on the promise that the same God who moved at Pentecost would be, is still interested in moving in that same way in the world now. And many of the churches that grew in the early Elim movement grew as a result of signs and wonders. That what, what was City Temple, what's now City Church in Cardiff, a long-established church in its own right, but a church that also planted other churches, grew from a postcard that was sent to the Elim headquarters in London at the time from Cardiff saying, please come, Cardiff needs the full gospel and by that that means it needs a gospel that says that Jesus is saviour healer baptizer in the Holy Spirit and coming king and so George Jeffries who was the head of Elam at that time came down and did a, did a mission in Cardiff and for the first week or so it was quite quiet and they hired a building and they had 20 here and 30 here and 50 there and then what happened a couple of miraculous healings happened People got out of wheelchairs. People were healed. And suddenly word got round that God was on the move. And within a couple of weeks, they had to move to bigger buildings and there were queues around the block. And that church was established from the back of that. And that's why we, we want to see God move. We want to see the church grow. We want to see God glorified. We want to see people delivered and restored and coming into that fullness that only God can bring. But all of this, in back into Acts chapter 5, this leads to the apostles' second appearance before the Sanhedrin. They haven't been, they haven't been ministering very long, and already twice they've been called to the, to the religious leaders. It's like, it's like being in school and being naughty, and within the first term, you've twice you're in front of the headmaster. And they're, they're there in the front of the Sanhedrin, again, who want to want to do something for them. But this time, it's an angel that intervenes. So we've talked about the power of a shadow. Let's talk about the presence of an angel. We're going to read from verse 17 to 21 in Acts, in Acts 5. It says this, And the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. So before Peter and John were arrested, now all of the apostles are arrested. And an angel of the Lord opens the doors and brings them out of prison. We're going to talk about a couple of prison escapes in Acts. I think Becky's going to be preaching one in a few weeks' time, uh, more focusing on. But here's another story of them being broken out of prison, the first of three miraculous escapes from prison. Anybody escaped from prison in the room here this morning? Becky has, yeah, she used to be a prisons worker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You didn't escape, but you were in prison. That's another story for another time. You didn't cycle there, did you? No? Okay. 
This is the first of three miraculous escapes from prison. And they're all of them an angel features. An angel features. And just as we've talked about evil spirits, it's worth talking about an angel of the Lord. What's going on here? Well, the Bible tells us that God sends his angels on special covert missions. We've got somebody from the special forces here. God's angels are his special forces team who are given special missions to oversee, to protect, to direct people when needed. You and I might never know already the interventions that angels have had in our life. So you're thinking, wow, this is going freaky. We've had a shadow, we've had evil spirits, now you're talking about angels. That's why saying the spiritual dimension of the world we live in is so important to recognise. In Hebrews it says angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. And in the Bible, we see that angels have met people's physical needs. They've ministered to Jesus, if you remember, after 40 days in the wilderness. It's angels that minister to him. Angels give strength. They strengthen Jesus again in Gethsemane. I was standing in the Garden of Gethsemane just a few days ago in Jerusalem. Angels give supernatural guidance. Remember, it's an angel that tells Joseph and Mary to escape and take the baby Jesus to Egypt. And a bit later in Acts, we'll read an angel appearing to Cornelius. Angels provide protection and deliverance. They provide superhuman feats. It's angels that rolled the stone away from the tomb. And the Bible tells us that it's angels who will seize Satan at the appointed time and throw him into the bottomless pit. I've never seen an angel. I've got friends who have seen the angels, the protection that God has sent them. I have a friend... uh, Actually, I've given one or two books out recently to some of you. A, a book about prayer that a friend of mine's written, and he, he sees his angel quite often when he's traveling. He's flown and he's seen an angel sitting on the, on the wing of the plane where he's flying on. I was prayed over and prophesied once that two angels would follow me for the rest of my life an angel of healing, so that God would use me to heal, and an angel of protection. So that wherever I went, God would protect. I've never seen those angels. I felt their presence now again. But I believe with all my heart that they are with me. Especially as I travel in the name of Jesus. So we might not see these ministering spirits that God provides for us. But in the spiritual, we need to remember that they are there. And so there's this miraculous Deliverance. One moment, the disciples were locked up in prison. Another moment, an angel has rescued them and delivered them. Can we expect that thing to happen always in our life? Well, God can deliver us if he so desires. Our task is always to be obedient to him and to leave the rest to God. And so often when we have a miraculous encounter be it by an angel or whatever, it's for a wider purpose. 
And when we read here that the angels have been, the angel has released the apostles from prison, why? It's because he's released them to go and tell the message of Jesus. They've been commissioned, they have a job to do. And nothing can get, get in, in, in the way of a job that God has called us to do. So his angels come to release them from prison so they can do what God had intended them to do. The devil wanted Peter, to, this Peter, to stay in that dark place, in that f- fearful place, and not get to where he was going. But God had other plans. Wouldn't be surprised if, if there was some in, angelic involvement in that, but God got you to the place he wanted you to go to even though it looked like in the natural that would never be able to happen. And so this, talking about evil spirits might have freaked you. Talking about angels might be freaking you. But I want to to remind you that in the spiritual realm there are things that we don't see. But just because we don't see them doesn't mean they don't exist. You walk out here this morning, you do not see the air that you breathe but you know that it is there. You cannot see the wind blowing, but you can see the effects of the wind as it blows the trees, as it it blows your hair, if you're lucky enough to have any. And one of the most foolish things we can do as believers is say, if I don't see it, I won't believe it. And so we've talked about the power of a shadow, which is really the power of God. We've talked about the presence of an angel, which is really the presence of God's messenger. And now we're talking about the priority of the apostles. Let's read together the last few verses, Acts 27 28, 29, and 42. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. People are scared of the name of Jesus. Why? Because there is no power under heaven like like the power that comes to the name of Jesus. You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. As I was reading this earlier this week, I think I said this on our notices. Wouldn't it be great if we could say, if somebody could accuse us, you filled Barry with the teaching of Jesus. I'd take that as an insult, as an accusation, wouldn't you? I'd, I'd take somebody losing their temper with me because the whole of Barry had been filled with the teaching of Jesus. That seems a, a small price to pay. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. In verse 42, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. You see, the Sanhedrin have got all the political power The disciples have got none of that. The Sanhedrin have got all the legal power. The disciples have got none of that. But where's the power of God rest? In the religious men or in the men who are being obedient to God's call and sensing that that power is in the name of Jesus? 
And this lovely tribute is paid to them. They never stopped teaching or proclaiming the good news. See, I'm thankful for where God is taking this church. Physically and spiritually, I'm thankful that we're moving to premises where we can grow. I'm thankful that we're growing together spiritually and there's a greater depth in the life of the church. But I believe one of our next steps is we've got to stop just being a Sunday church and be a church that's 24-7. Now part of that, we're being helped by Dave's vision to put a 24-7 prayer strategy together. And some of us are now committing every day or when we can to pray for the life of the church. That's why we're making such a meal about meeting together midweek and encountering the, the Bible and what God says to us together. But you don't change a town or a city you can't transform a region in the name of Jesus just by an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Now, I'm not saying we've got to start meeting every night together, but if we can live as 24-7 Christians, that will make an incredible impact into this area. If you can believe that the power of God is upon you, not just on a Sunday morning, but three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. If you can believe that the presence of God can be with you, not just in church here, but in your house, in your office, in the, in the gym, in your cafe, in your surgery, then who knows what the power of God could accomplish through that. And these two threads that we see through this whole series... Uh, one, ordinary men and women are doing the extraordinary. Ordinary men and women are doing in their communities what Jesus was doing because the power of God is upon them. And because of that, people are coming to faith in Jesus. Towns, areas, communities are being transformed in the name of Jesus. And that's what our prayer is. That's what our hope is. We can't manipulate that. We can't manufacture that. We can't do that out of our own effort. I could preach the greatest sermon ever. That's not going to make any difference. It has to be a move of God. And we can start by just being open to that, being ready for that, being obedient for that, and sensing that God wants to move in a more spiritual way than perhaps we've ever imagined before. Final quote, and then I'm going to pray. A few months ago, we did a series uh, based on the teaching of Reinhard Bonnke, the great evangelist who saw millions of people come to faith across Africa. Uh, sadly, gone to be with Jesus in glory now. But he says this, live by faith. This is life as God meant it to be. Miracles come to those who live the way of faith. That is God's grand design for our lives, for us to step out depending on the word of God and the power of God to give us miracles. We cannot walk with God without experiencing wonders. Just leave that on the screen for a while, Richard, in case people want to write that down. 
The Holy Spirit is always ready to do the supernatural work that your heart and my heart craves. He's ready to do that. What he wants is people of faith and obedience. So we open up, we allow him to do the hope, to do what only he can do. And I pray that each of you will get used to seeing more and more of God's power displayed in your life and that he will allow you to be used to restore others, to heal others, to break the chains off others, to set free and to make whole. And so it goes from Jesus to his first apostles, to the early church, and we walk in those same footsteps. Let's pray together. Father, we want to see the promises of Jesus fulfilled. And we want to see the gospel message of Jesus that we hold strong to be followed by signs and wonders. And so this morning, Lord, would you ignite our passion and our faith again in you? We want to see signs and wonders in our own life, in our church, our friendships, our outreach. We want to have your supernatural signature written over all that we are. We want signs and wonders to closely accompany us. Give us the faith to expect you to move powerfully. If you just want to see a greater move of God in your life right now, if you're needing a miracle or you just want to be used by God in the miraculous in some way, why don't you just stick your hand in the air right now? Nobody else is looking. Just make that declaration to God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, for each of these men and women who've raised their hands, I pray right now they might have a mighty encounter with you by your Holy Spirit. I claim that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would be a power that might move in them and through them right now. For those who need healing, speak healing on them in the name of Jesus. For those who might up a hand in the air is for somebody else, I come in agreement for the miraculous in the life of that person right now. Father, I pray today that you might dispatch your angels over those who need that protection, that direction, that guidance. Even today, Lord, might you just give us a reminder that you are with us. Give us a nudge and speak life and faith in the name of Jesus. Amen.